Welcome in to another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, everyone looking for ways to cut costs as we course through this economic downturn, we talk to a woman who claims to have shaved about 10 grand from the annual food budget for her family, and she says you can too. No longer Mayor Jeff Lehman, it's now District Chair Jeff Lehman. As he sets up to help carry Muskoka through the next four years, he lays to rest any fears the locals might have in an outsider overseeing their business. And we get an update on upgrades at the Lake Simcoe Airport after the pandemic grounded things. But first, Celine Dion dropped a bomb when she announced she is suffering from stiff person syndrome, a little-known debilitating ailment which can produce muscle spasms so violent they can dislocate joints, even break bones. It affects two people per million. One of them, Amanda Robinson of Barry, who was diagnosed in 2019. She spoke with Barry 360's Ian McLennan. You're from Barrie, you've lived in Barrie all your life, and a lot of the world, I think, the other day learned about something called stiff person syndrome that uh, Celine Dion said she was diagnosed with, but you're a person who also was diagnosed with this illness not too many years ago. If you could, um, you know, share exactly, you know, how you were diagnosed and, you know, what symptoms you might have had prior to diagnosis. Um, yeah, so a, a few years ago, um, you know, had a bit of a traumatic sort of uh, experience walking into work. My legs kind of locked up. I couldn't uh, move them uh, to save myself. Uh, thankfully, there were some people in the parking lot of my work that helped me up and you know, help me go over to to the doors so I could basically get, uh, you know, contact someone to bring me to the hospital because I didn't know what was going on. Prior to that, um, pretty mild symptoms. Um, You know, I would wear a pair of heels and, you know, one of my muscles would lock up in my leg and almost like would my foot would intern and I couldn't get it back out. So, you know, I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll just stop wearing those heels. And then from there, you know, going to a podiatrist, uh, my chiropractor, he's like, what's going on? When the, the big event sort of happened, went to my family doctor, which thankfully he actually had experience with this previously. And he was like, oh, this... It seems a little bit familiar to me. Unfortunately, with this condition as well, it's not one test that they can do and say, oh, you have this. Um, in some of the blood work, there is about a 20% rate of um, nothing. Your blood work doesn't show anything. So on paper, you look perfectly healthy, but when somebody actually sees you, they're like, Clearly, there's some crazy stuff going on. Well, what it's like living with this illness now? What you know? What can or can't you do? Well, I can't drive. Um, my one doctor said nobody with this illness should uh, should drive simply because any sort of anxiety or startle. Um, you know, if you're in a high intense traffic situation, you never know when your legs are going to lock up, and obviously harm somebody else. Um, I, I don't go by, out by myself simply because if I do need assistance walking, pretty much doing anything, uh, so I, I very, I, I don't go out by myself. Um, I can do, you know, I, I enjoy playing darts. 
Um, so I, I can do that. Uh, I, I try to do it weekly down at the Legion. And so that's fun. Uh, you know, people are so patient with me. Um, have you been told by any medical people what the prognosis is? Can you even give a sort of long-term picture to if this um, illness will progress? It's not like a step-by-step progression. Um, so prognosis is there. there is no cure. So it's incurable. Um, however, you know, it can go into kind of like a remission, um, so it can flare up and then sort of calm back down. Um, mine is mostly centralized in my legs. Uh, people in some of my support groups, they have it in their torso, so it's hard to breathe. Some affects their necks where it's hard to eat. Um, and similar, like Celine had said about vocal cords and, you know, speaking you know, doing basic functions can be quite difficult. Wow. So I, could, I sort of almost consider myself lucky that that's mine is centralized to my legs, even though I struggle every day. But yeah, the the progression, you know, I hope that, you know, some of the muscle stiffness that I do feel in my upper extremities sort of stays calmer than it has in my legs so it is such a rare syndrome and then recently with Celine Dion's announcement about um the same the same illness what was your reaction when you heard that she was uh now in your camp so to speak there was such a mixture of emotions it was oh my gosh somebody else has this and someone famous because you don't wish this on anybody ever um, not that's not even the right wording for it, but however, it was like, oh my gosh, people are actually going to hear about this, and then it was like, you know, so glad that she has so much resources to help her, you know, get the rehabilitation and the treatment that is needed by all of us. Um, and then it's like, okay, so everybody's going to hear about this, you know. But it's such a rare condition that it's not like if you have a cramp one day, all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh, this is what I have. Do you hope maybe with uh, Celine's, um, uh, you know, going public with with this um, syndrome that um, there, it may open the door to more resources, too, that, um, you know, that you need in terms of, you know, groups and support? Or do you, do you have that available to you? One thing that is difficult is finding and reaching the local Uh, resources that, you know, people who are suffering from rare illnesses, you know, we don't know where to look. We, you know, you try to navigate the internet and it's like a hit and miss and most of the time it's misses. So, you know, having resources, you know, there's the, the accessibility bus in Barrie, I know, which is fantastic. That can get you places for a very low cost. But finding resources is needle in a haystack for rare conditions. Among the places you can turn to for initial help, stiffperson.org, hopkinsmedicine.org, and mayoclinic.org. Muskoka has a new district chair, Jeff Lehman elected to the post by local councillors who believe he has much guidance to offer after 12 years as mayor of Barrie. So we asked... What can the people of Muskoka expect over the next four years? 
Well, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I think the next four years in Muskoka, uh, we're going to have to confront a few things that are sort of um, coming to a head in, in a way. Uh, think, you know, pressures on the planning system, pressures on the environment. Uh, anybody who knows the district knows well that we have challenges with stormwater and the impacts of climate change already. Uh, but mostly, I think, you know, a lot of the issues that are now affecting the communities in Muskoka um, are issues that um, that are being felt in other places around the province. And so I'm hoping to be able to bring my experience to those. Uh, what should people expect? Hopefully that I'm going to bring some new ideas. Um, but most of all, that I'm, I'm bringing the same kind of uh, collaborative approach to leading a council uh, that I, I brought to being mayor in Barrie. And, um, you know, when you're, you're at the district level, we have six different area municipalities, not one. Uh, and so it, it, in some ways, is about balancing and bringing people together uh, um, uh, behind, you know, communities that are quite different. Uh, but we all have the same goal in mind, which is um, protecting what makes Muskoka just the most incredibly beautiful place on earth, uh, but making life better for its residents. And there are some real challenges affecting people uh, and, uh, and businesses of Muskoka right now. And it's not like you're a stranger to Muskoka. I mean, you've, you've spent most of your time in Barrie for the last uh, 11, 12, 13 years, but uh, you have a vested interest up there too. I do. Uh, my family, uh, we've been very fortunate to have a place uh, in Huntsville uh, near Lake Bays since the 90s. Uh, so I've been, uh, and I've been going there. I've also worked there um, when I was in the private sector before I became mayor of Barrie. Uh, I've done a, a, a number of different jobs in and around Muskoka um, as a consultant, uh, as a land use consultant and working on transportation as well. I've, one of the big jobs I had just before I uh, ran for Barrie City Council was working on Highway 11 through Gravenhurst, which was a huge challenge. Uh, we were trying to work with the ministry on the future of that highway, and some of those issues are still there. But uh, no, I've, I've, I've come to know it and, and love it deeply um, uh, by spending time here, of course. But the other thing is, you know, it's, uh, I've been saying this a lot to people over the last few weeks, central Ontario is its own place. We are a unique part of Ontario, and Simcoe and Muskoka are sort of the heart of that. You know, we live all four seasons in this part of uh, the province. Uh, we face different challenges than uh, than other parts of the province, and yet we got so much going for us. I mean, obviously, it's an incredible place to live in terms of the natural environment, and and we want to jealously protect that uh, that environment. But at the same time, there's a lot of energy in this part of the province of people who've chosen to be here, and Indigenous communities who've been here from time immemorial who continue to uh, to thrive in this area, and we we want to work together. Um, you know, to continue to make Central Ontario a great place. But but I'm coming to it, you know, uh, as a longtime Simcoe County um, a resident and a longtime Muskoka resident as well. How does this differ, this position differ from that of mayor? You're called a chair, you're not the mayor, you're not the warden. So what, what are the differences uh, you see going in? Yeah, exactly right. Somebody said, oh, you're the mayor of Muskoka. No, I'm not at all. I do not have an elected mandate, um, but I have been chosen or elected by those people who do. So I serve district council uh, as their chair, uh, but I'm also the spokesperson and the representative of the district to other levels of government. And you're the spokesperson. So there's a media role and a communications role that's important. But the most important part is helping district council accomplish its goals and helping the people who do have that elected mandate to move the district forward. So I, I chair meetings, uh, and I provide leadership uh, uh, to council and, and provide guidance. But ultimately, I recognize this is quite different. 
Uh, as a mayor, you have a directly elected mandate from the people, all the people of the municipality. Uh, I do not, and um, uh, so I'm here to serve those who do. Um, but that being said, in a leadership capacity, and I think my experience 12 years as a mayor will, will, uh, will help me to do that. And you were elected to this position by the members of the, the district council. Correct. So it's not like you just kind of wandered in and, and uh, people are, are throwing a flyer at you saying, uh, yeah, yeah, well, we think you can do the job. They have a pretty good idea what you're all about. Muskoka is unusual in the sector in that there are only a few municipalities who have this process of taking applications from the community and then electing the chair. For example, Simcoe County Council elects the warden from among the members. So it is somebody with an elected mandate. Here, there, uh, there is a belief, and there has been for years in, in a number of other regional governments in Ontario, that through this process, you can bring in somebody with experience, but also somebody who's neutral, because you don't represent any of the six area municipalities. So you have true sort of neutrality uh, as a chair. And, uh, and I, I emphasize that to district council, that I come to this without an agenda. Uh, I'm not here on behalf of uh, Bracebridge or Huntsville or Lake of Bays or any other, but uh, but rather to be their chair and try and move them forward as a group. As a chair, you try and listen to the views around the table and where there are clearly differences, you try and find uh, a way forward uh, that, that can work. Sometimes that's the art of the compromise. Sometimes that may be a new direction that, that Muskoka hasn't considered. I think the district chair, though, as well, has a, has a role in the uh, organization here, which is to to really understand the issues in detail. It's part of the district chair's role to, to really go in depth on issues that are coming to council and be able to say to council, well, I think it's important that you consider this. And then I guess the last piece of it that, that maybe relates a bit more to Jeff Lehman is, um, you know, there are some issues right now that are changing quickly in our communities. Certainly housing and uh, mental health and addictions uh, are issues that, that that land here as well. They're everywhere in our province. Uh, but economic development here also lands quite differently. And, and I see a lot of opportunity for me to play a role in that. And that's something I was very passionate about as Mayor Barry. I mean, I would go to trade shows. I would work with Georgian College on trying to get more workforce opportunities uh, and training. Um, I, you know, I think of the job fairs that we held as the city of Barry or collaborate with the county to do that. Um, that's a role that, that even in, directly in this position, I would like to play in Muskoka is helping to grow the resources that are available here for people to grow their businesses and, and for somebody to be able to start a business in Bracebridge and have all the support and opportunities that they might have starting it in Barrie or Burlington or Toronto. No drum kit in the corner of his new digs, but Lehman has left open the possibility of having his band play at a chair's benefit event, as he put it, making terrible music for charity. What Barry's talking about is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry has to offer and more. We've learned how artificial intelligence is being used to keep geese from leaving their calling card on waterfront properties. Got up close and personal with Danny Wagner, drummer for Greta Van Fleet, and looked at some of the pros and cons of owning an electric vehicle. You can get caught up and make it easy to connect in the future by subscribing to What Barry's Talking About through any podcast distributor. Still to come on what Barry's talking about, business is taking off again at Lake Simcoe Airport. And if I told you how you could get a 24-pack of toilet paper for a dollar or a box of cereal for 17 cents, would you stick with us till the end of the show? Thought you might. First this. Our community rocks. Not sure what to give this holiday season? Give the gift that can't be bought. 
Give the gift of life by donating blood. Just because the holidays are coming doesn't mean the need for blood goes away. There are over 500 appointments that need to be filled before December 31st. Visit blood.ca and book your appointment today with the Canadian Blood Services. Or take part in our Days of Giving campaign and come into the Berry Clinic on Bayview Drive until January 3rd and gift the gift of life. While you're there, fill out a ballot to win some great prizes. Sponsored by Rock 95. Blood, it's in you to give. Our Community Rocks is brought to you by Peggy Hill, broker of record, Remax Hallmark, Peggy Hill Group Realty. Barry's Rock Station. Rock 95. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. Variation of a theme now, what Simcoe County's talking about. Things ramping up again at the Lake Simcoe Airport in Oral Medonte after the pandemic. Here again is our Ian McLennan getting an update from Airport General Manager Mike Drum. Lots happening at Lake Simcoe Airport, and uh, I'm going to use the G word, growth. Um, expand upon that, if you could, um, in terms of, you know, what, what's happening at the airport and, um, you know, that, that, that impacts uh, the people that live in the, in the community, in the area. The G word is a good word for growth and sustainable growth. Um, but, yeah, the airport is indeed growing. Um, most of the business that we are experiencing is commercial corporate charter related with a smaller cargo component. And um, I think that is an indicator that as Charles Pearson International Airport continues to grow. The strategic plan which the airport put into effect four years ago is coming to fruition in that a lot of these companies and businesses that are that are that are based at Pearson are no longer able to operate out of that airport with any form of, of sort of efficiency. So they're looking for alternatives and uh, the Southern Ontario Airport Network was originally put in place to sort of maintain the GDP of the province and, and Canada at large and what they were saying is hey uh, if there's good growth at Pearson and we don't want that growth to leave Canada, we would rather see that growth occur at airports surrounding. It's sort of like a spoken hub operation. This isn't new. This is this has occurred at airports throughout the globe for, for, for the last 50 years. And, and that's all that's starting to happen now. We're seeing that spoken hub operation really come to pass with, with, with Pearson's growth. Outlying airports are concurrently experiencing the growth that Pearson can no longer handle. Now, obviously, some flights you couldn't take before or still may not be able to because of the length of the runway in 2020 you got 1.5 million for runway expansion where's that project at Okay, well, yeah, you're, you, you are correct, and, and, and airplanes are funny things, because physically, we, 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 we do have enough runway. We get 737s in here on charters, um, but the minute you flip that over to a regularly scheduled passenger component, um, the rule book changes a little bit, so although the aircraft is physically able to do it, often, more than not, we're unable to accommodate that flight due to the regulations for increased safety. Um, but the, the, the uh, strategic plan does include us expanding the runway. So phase one of that expansion was a safety initiative, and we widened the runway. We went from 100 feet to 150 feet, and in parallel to that, we installed a a new high-intensity, environmentally sustainable LED air-filled lighting system, 
And that was the initial phase of what we hope to will be the next phase that is to lengthen the runway from 6,000 to 7,000 feet. You did receive some government funding for support for that pro, for those, these projects? Yes, we, we were fortunate. The County of Simcoe Economic Development Department worked tirelessly with the provincial government and under the Southwest Ontario Development Fund. We were successful and, to your point, received a $1.5 million grant towards this. But that, that grant was meant to essentially stimulate growth and it, it did that of the uh, um, the indirect impact of course the direct impact was the construction end of itself but moving on from that the airport has already been successful in attracting some new clients as a result of the expanded infrastructure now you got chart right air group I, I believe those are the one a private aviation firm that was announced in July of this year uh, yes, correct. We we uh, we were uh, successful, and that that goes back to my earlier point right. of of the growth we're seeing at Toronto Pearson International Airport. They're they're no different than anyone else, and they've taken a really proactive position. They they moved into the the uh, regional Waterloo International Airport oh, about five years ago, and um, that sort of took care of their southwest uh, client base. But when they looked to the Toronto and Toronto North client base, uh, Lake Simcoe was a natural synergistic fit for them, and um, they. they they bought an existing 34,000-square-foot hangar. They've opened up a full-service fixed-space operator, providing uh, corporate aircraft refueling, hangarage, uh, charter, maintenance, uh, everything you would expect to see at a growing regional airport. Now, from a, the, the business component, but segueing to passenger service where people say, oh, God, if I don't have to go to Pearson or even the Island Airport, so I believe it was September 2019, big, big announcement about flights to New York City. I believe it was... Um, May not, may not have been Porter, but where is that project at now? Because we know the pandemic got in the way there big time. Yeah, it did, and, and, and that's, that's the ultimate goal. So um, speaking of Chartwright Air Group, one of the things that the airport or airlines in particular will look for when they come to a region is not just the, obviously, demographics and the, 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 the demand for the service, but it's the infrastructure at the airport that's able to accommodate that. So um, up until a, a full fixed-based operator came in here, you know, there wasn't a lot of full-time aircraft maintenance on site, skilled jet aircraft maintenance on site, all of the amenities that go into to serving an airline. So this is the foundation phase. This is the building blocks that we're putting in place so when we're, as the population continues to grow and we're in that eventuality of receiving regularly scheduled passenger flights, we have the core infrastructure and services already in sight to not only receive, but service the ongoing. Now, when we speak of the New York City, that was a charter. So that was a, I hate to call it a one-off, but uh, you know, those limited four sort of travel junkets per year are indeed that, and uh, um, COVID did absolutely ground that across the board, and we're, we're hopeful that we will, we will be able to provide something similar to that, if not the same, in the future. So no pun intended, or maybe it's intended, but uh, what's on the radar at Lake Simcoe Airport moving, moving forward short and long term? What, what's, the, what's the big goal? fulfill the initial uh, um, components of our strategic plan, which is to continue to build upon that commercial corporate aircraft charter and um, provide, again, that hangar infrastructure, that maintenance infrastructure, the pieces of the puzzle that airlines are going to eventually look for when they do start coming to. The airlines are going to be demand-based. That's not something we can't put an airline in at the airport and say, okay, geez, there's an empty 737 here. I wonder who wants to take it. Airlines come to airports that 
have a requirement, a fundamental need to provide that service. So when we look at Simcoe County's growth, we look at Simcoe County's growth population and the projections, that is absolutely the next inevitable evolutionary step for the airport. In the immediate time that we are going to continue to build on our commercial business growth, we have a brand new 26,000 square foot hangar being uh, built at the airport as we speak. We hope to have that completed the next three months and a couple of other exciting projects of similar nature slated for the next 24 months. That's Lake Simcoe Airport General Manager Mike Drum in conversation with our Ian McLennan. So about this buck for a pack of toilet paper and 17 cents for a box of cereal, even a few free items, Canadian Savings Group has taken coupon clipping to a new level, added in searches for freebies, and found ways you can save even more on Amazon. Barry 360's MJ is among 100,000 Canadians who have jumped on board with CEO Pat Hollett. Can you explain what exactly the Canadian Savings Group is? We are a group that, well, let me just that we post about 500, more than 500 deals a month. And from those deals, we find the best way to get them for the best price. We use coupons, cashback apps, uh, points offers, anything we can, you know, price matching, anything to get you the lowest price, and we show you how to do it. We post the coupons, we post what the cashback is, and an idea of how to do, like an idea of what we actually find is, you can get like a package of toilet paper for a dollar, like a package of 24 toilet paper for a dollar. We find you can get a box of Kellogg's cereal for 17 cents if you have the right coupon. We get children's snack, you know, snack bars they need for their kids for school, people need, for a dollar. Um, these are all things we encourage people to stock up on when the price is right. And then they don't have to continually buy them at full price. And basically, we try and find ways to cut everybody's grocery expenses in the group. If they're brand new to this and they've never done yeah. it, does it take a while to get the momentum to, to, to be able to get these deals and these coupons? Yes, there is absolutely a different mindset to doing it. You have to really train yourself to say, I'm going to stop paying full price for my groceries because I'm, I don't want to keep paying $12,000 a year for groceries. And people pay that and more sometimes. And you can cut that back by 80%, which is huge. Like, I used to spend uh, 15 grand a year on groceries. I have three kids. Most of them, well, they're not all home now, but they were. And I thought, geez, there's got to be a way to cut this back. This is crazy. And I've cut it back to it's less than, I'd say, a couple hundred dollars a month for groceries now because I have a decent stockpile of items I've been able to buy for free or close to free. And there are things we use, like toilet paper, paper towel, cleaning products, laundry stuff, um, personal hygiene products, uh, canned goods. Like in the time since we started the group, we have been able to get over 500 and just under 1,000 free items that people can stockpile and not have to buy for a long time. There is a different mindset, and you have to... You have to follow the group. You have to learn to do, you know, what we do. We show you how to do it. It takes a little while to adapt to that mentality. Once you do, you're on your way. You just check the group daily, look for the deals that you want, and you make your list at the end of the week, and you go out shopping. And you try to stick to your list so you make sure you get the most savings. 
every week. You know, five, ten minutes on the site every day. You look and see what deals are up, and you go, okay, I'm adding that to my list, and I've got these other things that I need to get, and you try and stick to your list. I've been on the group um, personally for a little while, too, and one thing I noticed is that I used to have this theory of, like, you know, stockpiling, and you think of, like, your canned goods and your toiletries and stuff, but what kind of surprised me was there's a lot of deals posted there not just for your cereals and stuff, obviously those are a big deal, but, um, you know, like fresh produce and, and meats and stuff like that. It's not just yeah. all the canned stuff. Right, right. Um, a good way to get meat is you can price match meat at some stores, Freshco and No Frills will price match meat. Uh, Walmart stopped price matching a long time ago, but you can get better deals on meat if you price match them elsewhere. And uh, vegetables as well, and we've been able to get free vegetables. I mean, free broccoli, free avocados, free, you know, there's a lot of things you can get for free if you really know how. You keep it very streamlined. It's very clean. A lot of social media places, you know, mm-hmm. tend to get convoluted. We have, like, threads where there's Ontario deals, there's freebies, there's Quebec deals, there's West deals, there's East deals. We cater to the whole country. So everybody can shop, well, not shop on our site, but look for their deals on our site and go to their stores and get the deals. We try to add in any extras like samples that are free. And I mean, this week I got some perfume samples for free and I got a t-shirt for free that somebody's getting for a Christmas gift now. Didn't cost me a cent. I mean, we post everything we can find to help people, including how to save on telecommunications and utilities. It's really tough for people these days, and things are just, they keep going up and up, and it's its a struggle for a lot of Canadians. I've saved so much, I've been able to go on trips to the UK, to Ireland, out west. Yeah, it, there's some big savings to be had if you're really good about it. Looking to save? Looking for a deal? Log on to canadiansavingsgroup.ca. And that's our program for another week. Thanks to Ian and MJ for their contributions and to Matt Ladder for his technical expertise. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on Facebook and Twitter at Barry360 and on our website, barry360.com. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.